follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Yeah. I'm doing good as I don't, well. I don't know. Guys, I don't know if it's uh, what it's like in your area, but has it has the temperature changed yet for you? We have hey. false fall here, and we're I think we're getting ready to, to go in towards the real one here soon. It got, yeah, it got very hot after being um, quite chilly. Yeah, the last the last few days, and I think even tomorrow, it's supposed to be like hot. It's been hot, like in the 80s. Yeah. Not like 100, not at 100 degrees, but like in the 80s. And then it's gonna go right into like 70 degree weather, like low mm-hmm. 70s. It's like okay, it, I like the fall, but I kind of want to ease into the fall, <laughs> not just go like zero to 100 and then like hit the brakes. Like, mm, our oh, mornings yeah. are like I go to work at like 6:30 in the morning, so it's been really cold at night for like a month here so <clears throat> i've probably needed a jacket like half the days yeah i usually um i take my daughter to daycare in the morning times and usually i just have a t-shirt shorts on and it's fine but now now i feel like the mornings are starting to get a little crisp and uh, that's tough <laughs> <clears throat> i'm not ready for it i'm not ready for the cold weather no i love fall yeah. but i i'm just like with the the new house, we have this giant backyard and a great like screened in porch, and I'm just sitting here like, but we're losing like so much area to walk around in. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's we're rolling up on it. I'm looking forward to it, even if it's it's not as warm. <laughs> I've got a wonderful fire pit that I can queue up and and relax outside with, but. Everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, to save 10% off your order. They are uh, introducing new designs again, and interestingly, they brought a new an old concept back with the new design. The high risk maneuver Eagle shirt uh, is back with a new design instead of the old logo, but they still look good and they're comfortable. And um, Eastern Kentucky is in its rebuilding phase. I was just down working on a house with them last week. And there are people, you know, they don't, they, they can't move because they own the property who would want to buy the house that they're in and they have all that tied into it. So they're trying to rebuild and 
They're good folks. If you would like to support them, I'm going to say get up with Appalachian Apparel. Um, they are still doing, to the best of my knowledge, the drive of raising money that is going directly to the people in need. And Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot org, is going to be a great clearinghouse if you're looking for other ways to help. And with those out of the way, we pass the ball to Matt. Uh, yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, Orlando Cologne, the true Grand Slam of professional wrestling. Some might call him the crown jewel of professional wrestling. Oh, really? Uh, we're not <laughs> talking about either one of those things. I just we're not. thought I'd be topical and talk about uh, AEW Grand Slam, mention that, and and whatever they're doing with the crown jewel pay-per-view. What's with What's with the massive amount of people that are mad that Grand Slam did well? Because it's tribalism. Like yeah. people are, with all the uh, the recent, you know, fight, real life fight between uh, Punk and and the Elite. Like people were thinking, like, oh yeah, foot in the door. Like this, this is it. AEW is going to go down because they always want AEW to go down. Like. Even like last, we've been very, very critical of the WWE, and we still are critical about some of the things that they do. It's like I don't want them to fail. No. Like I just I want them to improve because my my loyalty is really to wrestling. I'm very like high on AEW because I feel like AEW does a lot of stuff that I like, like style that I like. Like they put on good matches consistently, so I'm in theory more quote unquote loyal to AEW. I- but it's like I don't want them to fail and there are people out there that root for them to fail because they they can't have anything but wwe yeah they've they now have been i guess wwe fans for so long that that's primarily the wrestling that they know and enjoy and that's all they want and it's like it's in everything else is like an affront to them which i just think that's sad like there's so much variety and like awesome stuff out there why are you limiting yourself to one of the worst promotions out there currently, but like one brand and one style, like and I, not even a particularly like original or like creative style. I, WWE, I would say, it's not bad in the sense of like the the actual match matches match quality. Usually, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, but the and, matches are samey though. That's that's what I noticed. Like the matches got they 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 got more work ready in the tens but then i kind of noticed so we've done this podcast with them it's like well the matches are all like really the same shit over and over again like it's good yeah, but it's the same that the workers themselves are so competent that uh, there there are some of them that can put on like a good match in their sleep like they yeah they're they can do the proverbial like broomstick match where they can just go out there and have a good match like any night of the week uh, and and they can like they're they're really talented, but the, they are only as good as their booking. And the booking has been like very very lackluster. And it, I would say like since Vince has been out of the picture, it's gotten slightly better, but only slightly better in the sense that they try to be slightly more cons- like logically consistent. But even then, it's not perfect. I would like say, they, I would honestly say the TV's gotten more boring. Like the the TV is more co- more coherent. And um, mm. things make more sense, but it's gotten more boring, and it actually feels more water tready now than it did before. They look that was no matter who's in charge. Like my opinion, like they're going to tread water up until, in theory, like they get sold. Mm. And 
uh, I still I still need to sign up, Chad, for mm-hmm. like the Observer, yeah. Um, because I, I guess Meltzer either wrote about this or he's going to write about this. But I mean, there is real talk. It's that it's not an implausibility that in two three years we're going to have like NBC and and Warner Brothers Discovery merge, mm. in which case WWE and AEW would both all be under the same umbrella company for oh. uh which that's a whole other story but i mean yeah it, it, like i don't think that they're gonna wwe is gonna do anything until a sale or they, potentially like something like that happens that merger right. which which they've already said like they wouldn't even be allowed to even like enter into negotiations until like 2024 right they just had the merger yes. i think mm. Uh, so I think that they're tre- they're going to tread water no matter who's in charge, like because they don't want to make too many big moves uh, to upset that apple cart. But they got to mm-hmm. do something though, because I mean, Triple H got a boost, but the- people are starting to look at the year over year because the excuse this time of year is always football. But he's doing significantly worse than last year, like a twelve percent <laughs> viewership drop. The ratings for for. Uh, raw this week and for raw last week have not been good and that was, the whole excuse last week was like oh it's fo- <coughs> excuse me football's back so it's just football but then this week came out and it's like it's really down low yeah mm-hmm. and so the excuse is still like well football was two football games and you know there are other things like they, they can make like other stuff out there on cable that they can say but it's like it's not promising and it's finishing yeah. like fifth and seventh like that's behind other stuff you know what you know what i think happened Mm-hmm. Is my personal theory is when they did that tag team final and um, Dakota Kai and EO lost, I think a bunch of people are like, oh, nothing really changed. Click. Mm. Potentially. But the other thing is. And the pay-per-view more... wasn't that great either. Yeah. Po- well, the thing, the other thing is possibly more troubling is that. Because Meltzer's whole thing was like, oh yeah, people like were watching football this week, so then they they watched Dynamite last week because they wanted they wanted their wrestling fix, but they didn't watch it on uh, on Monday because football. I uh, I don't really know that that's true. I think we are potentially running into the issue that that's what's happened going for several years now, but it's troubling. It's like you're gonna reach a point where either by age because their audience skews older, or just people who become disenchanted with the product, you may come to people where it's like, you know what? I don't need to watch this anymore. I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need to watch this. And they just turn it off and they don't, they don't come back. Well, I can tell you why AEW's ratings got better because they smartly capitalized on people tuning in to, um, to see what happened after the punk fiasco. Yeah. They gave them something to tune back in for. And then they put, a really strong match on top of Grand Slam to get more tickets sold, because I mean Moxley versus Danielson's really a big, you know, deal the way they've built to it. This, yeah. the, this whole little mini tournament they did, it it's kept everything interesting and exciting and fresh. And I presume that tomorrow it's going to be like a, uh, I, the dynamite number I presume will be good. I yeah. presume it'll be like over a million i don't know how far over a million but i I presume it'll be over a million and good uh good numbers and we'll see where they go from there because like mox poor mox like (laughs) 
<laughs> it's supposed to take a six-week vacation. He needs that vacation at some point. Well, I, His... I also like it because it shuts Punk's stupid mouth up because they did a million-dollar yeah. gate without him. So fuck you. Yeah. Um, so to go back to the original point, um, I don't, I don't understand why people are so big on wanting the other company to go under. WWE is not my style. They have people there I, I like, but it is not my style. I don't want it to go away and die, though. I would because... like it to fail in the short term just so that they have to change and be better. Okay. Like, the... I can see that. <laughs> them not doing as well so they have a catalyst to make big changes. But I don't want them to go away. I don't. No. In, in, in the the tribalism, the the full bore hatred of each other, just it bugs me. You know, it. There's not much that's going to get me to tune back into them long term, but every now and then I might might stick my head up over there if they're doing something that intrigues me. But I know what what uh, suits me better, and that's what I go back to. But that's not what we're doing the whole topic on tonight, uh, as as Matt said. What are we talking about tonight? So we're kind of doing a double header for the next two weeks. Um, so this will be this week is going to be kind of a random mishmash of stuff. And next week we're doing our annual visit to the GWF, but we're doing a highlight of Eddie Gilbert. So tonight's so, going to be angle heavy, and then next week we're going to do his um, well-known series of matches with Terry Garvin and the GWF. Okay. So, um, Brad, where are we starting from? Well, I figured we could we could discuss Eddie Gilbert here for a, a couple of minutes beforehand. Because okay. Matt and I were kind of talking earlier today that watching this stuff, he's really good at what he does. And it's a shame that he wasn't more stable in wrestling because he'd be a much bigger name if he had really stuck it out with a single company for a couple of years instead of like... <laughs> blowing it up every six to eight months i um i'll be honest with you i had heard a lot of eddie gilbert about him but i have not actually seen a lot of his stuff and i think it's probably due to that because he did, he never really seemed to to be in one promotion too long so i never it's not as if he has in my opinion i people can correct me if i'm wrong like but it's to my perception it didn't seem like he had like a, a very specific, like iconic run in a place. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, he's been part of a couple angles, which I felt were really iconic. Like the the um, I think it was Mid South or was it was it Mid South or UWF? UWF. Okay, UWF. Like it was back when he um. The Russian flag angle with Bill Watts. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that one was like iconic. I think that one is like a really big one. So that one, yes, like I'd seen that one. I thought it was like really fantastically done. The 88 but, feud with Flo- with Lawler is considered to be, like, iconic at the time and supposed mm-hmm. to be, like, one of the last big, you know, draw Memphis um, feuds. Hmm. Well, I mean, so, we, did, we did see an iconic match with him already on this podcast because he is part of the um, second Tupelo concession stand brawl. That's true. Oh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, uh, I, that that little tidbit um, 
just about escaped me and, until we started talking about it earlier. And I was like, oh, that's right. We did do that. Now, the, there is one thing I did notice about him, and it's something I knew about him, but analyzing his work more. So um, Eddie Gilbert grew up being a super fan of Jerry Lawler and Memphis wrestling in general. And you can really tell when you like really dig into him and watch a lot of his stuff back to back to back. He does a lot of aping of Jerry Lawler, but he really and where a lot of guys like today or in general are really derivative when they do that. He did it, but then he he melded it to his personality and really made it his own while he was ripping Jerry Lawler off a lot. Watching uh, some of these matches tonight uh, and for for next week, uh, you can't you, I absolutely can see that. Like you can absolutely see him some of the mannerisms, some of the way he he bumped or moved around like it was very reminiscent to me about jerry lawler i don't know that i i probably wouldn't have said like outright like oh yes this is jerry lawler but because i didn't have that reference but once brad had said like oh yes he like he was a huge uh, jerry lawler fan and he would kind of emulate some of his his persona and things around him and then it became like oh yeah like i get it i get it like i yeah. he does when he does this little like quirk in the ring like when he throws the way he throws a punch or something like that, it's like okay, yeah, I can see like the the Jerry Lawler influence. It reminded me a little bit of how isn't it like Dick Slater who kind of like oh, would ape a lot of Terry Funk? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it seemed a little bit like that. But I do agree with you that Eddie Gilbert seemed to put his own spin on things so that it didn't just look like okay, he's out there copying uh, Jerry Lawler, and it looks kind of it looks too derivative because it looks too similar to what Jerry Lawler is doing. Like he, it seemed, excuse me, it seemed similar, but it also did seem like he, he added enough of his own persona and spin on things that had made it seem nice and, 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 and like it flowed naturally. Yeah. It's a very, very clearly stylistic influence as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, I was a fan of this guy, so I'm just going to do his move set stuff. And in doing so, it makes it a lot easier to express your ownership that way and say, well, this is what I'm going to do because it's not because, oh, I'm going to do this move because that's what Shawn Michaels did. It's I'm going to do scrappy underdog stuff and I'm going to have some mannerisms similar to his and having a Shawn Michaels inspired style as an example. It's kind of like John Byrne on the Fantastic Four. Like, I love this. I love the Fantastic Four. I love what Stan Lee did, but I'm putting my own spin on it while mm -hmm. paying homage to what he did. Right. So it it works. It works very well uh, in that style without being a carbon copy, as as Matt already said. So we're going to start off, I think this is around 84, so this is in the Mid-South Coliseum, and this is um, Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich is the new fabulous ones against Rick Rude and Jim Neidhart. And you know what the hell of this is? The match is 90 seconds. Yeah, it ain't even about the match. It's about, because, excuse me, it's about 
after the match. Yeah, this is so this this turns into so this is about 90 seconds of match and it's thrown out because it's just a wild brawl. And then it turns into a Festivus style airing of grievances as pretty much <laughs> everyone in the promotion comes out to beat someone up. Yes, there is it's not quite the locker room clearing brawl that might come to mind. It is more of the this guy is out, now this guy is out, that brings this guy out, that brings this guy out. Yeah. Succession. So you get a couple job guys come out, and they get beat up, obviously. I only know this because I've watched the TV and I recognize the names. Um, and then you get Lawler coming out, and they start to fight off the heels. But then we get we get a, a um, sentimental favorite of mine, just because he's so ridiculous, Lord Humongous comes out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. Fresh from the set of uh, the Road Warrior. Yeah, and this is, I I, I don't know 100%. I'm pretty sure this is the Jeff Van Camp version okay. of Lord Humongous. It's hard to tell because there's like four of them. Sid was one right. of them. Yeah, that's what my, my thinking was watching is I'm seeing this go down and I'm thinking to myself, is this Sid or who, Sid, which one is this? Sid didn't debut till 87, so okay. it, it was Jeff Van Camp. Um so he comes out, beats up on Lawler, but and then suddenly Randy Savage is out there, um, and then it just it's just bedlam for like a really long time, like eight or nine minutes, I think. I think I think um I think if I caught it in the commentary, like uh, Randy Savage had a match that was coming up after this was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and so I heard like one of the announcers, I forget which the announcer it was, but they. Um, indicated oh Randy like after after he participates in this like massive brawl he like then I guess go talks to the announcer and the announcer's like oh Randy says he wants his match to start and it's like that ain't happening bro <laughs> that's not <laughs> happening for a while yeah I have to but say... it made sense because Randy was like so crazy it's like okay you go out there you beat the hell out of some guys and then it's like oh, I want my match to start right now it's I'm like, primed no. and ready to go bro yeah. Yeah. cream of the crop <laughs> we've we've seen it a couple times now, but Lance Russell is really good commentating over arena footage, like post production. Oh, was it Lance Russell? Yeah, yeah. I know he was part of some of this stuff. Oh yeah, he he plays an integral role in one of these. Uh, the uh, the one with yeah. between uh, the parking lot brawl between Lawler and Gilbert, which we're yeah. going to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but this was the, I, I I I texted you guys and I was like, wow, Southern Promotions really do arena like brawls really well they do uh, and i um we can talk a little bit more as we go along with it but they, it's so it's very much just like places like ecw was so clearly not the necessarily the direct success, successor but like the it's the spiritual successor to a lot of this like uh, yeah memphis stuff because it's like it's just hardcore crazy brawls at times it's like blood it's uh just just unmitigated, yeah, unmitigated violence. Uh, at points, it's sad to say, but at points, just like violence against women. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that all that. Is, uh... it, it's... Yeah, but yeah. I mean, this is this is '84. This is the same year. No, I think it's a little before this, but this is around the same year that Randy Savage pile drives Ricky Morton through a table. Mm. And I mean, even really, if you think about it, though, there's a lot of the template from the Memphis we watched here and the other stuff, like there's a lot of Monday night wars slash attitude era that's laid mm-hmm. out and how Memphis does stuff. 
this this brawl it's it's crazy because it's like a lot of guys involved and it's just like it's just mayhem it's bedlam so much star power too that's yeah. the thing that like was shocking to me because it's like I, again i'm not as well versed on the history as i should be and i haven't availed myself of like some of this older footage of a lot of stuff but this is not if you were to think about guys that you think back and it's like you, you associate them with like WWF, WWE, mm. and associate with them with them primarily as like death became like they were big. They became big stars there. And maybe some of these guys had, you know, since in WCW after the fact and continued being stars. But guys who like are really became like iconic back of the day. And it's like they're like kind of in this. They're kind of in yep. this. Like Rick Rude is in this. Jim mm-hmm. Neidhart is in this. Randy Savage. And it's like I can't – like I didn't know or contemplate that these guys were back in Memphis or a southern promotion in general back in the day. But you even have – but even through in there, you have waning megastar from a couple years ago, Tommy Rich, out there too. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Also, I want to say the fans were fucking animals in this. Someone threw a firecracker at Rick Rude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I took away, like you, when you you were sending to us about the the Southern promotions knowing how to brawl, is number one, you're looking at a group of people who are probably quite well acquainted with what a brawl looks like, and mm-hmm. so. You can't uh, half-ass it. Can't really kayfabe that. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got to – if you you're going to have a big brawl, if you're going to have a big brawl, you better be really good at it so that you're able to sell it. Well, Chad, I mean you're from the south. <laughs> well – Like – or a- Appalachia. Yeah. If you want to consider that, like south. Like you should very well know. It's not just like – you can't just like make appearances. It's like Southern people themselves know how to brawl. Yeah. <laughs> they know yeah, how to scrap. It is a um, more common occurrence to have happen in the fashion that you see on a, that you see here of just all of a sudden two guys throw down. Mm. And so they've got to get up there and, and go for it. And then in watching this, there's a few things that jumped out at me in watching this is Eddie Gilbert stayed tangled, like his head tangled in the ropes for a long, long, uncomfortably mm-hmm. long time watching this. I kept looking for him on the screen going, has he gotten out of that yet? Because this is making me really uncomfortable um, just to see him hanging there by it. Now, yeah, he had his feet under him, so he's able to, cut some pressure one way but unless they had really loosened up the rope pressure that's still that's gotta be just rough to even just sit there through to have the the, the rope wrapped around the sides of your neck and you trying not to pass out so it, it's a uh, it's full of things that even if you wouldn't want to call them quote unquote authentic it's full of things you look at and you kind of go, ugh, ugh, and it's painful to see. Yeah, this There's... is a lot of this is a fun starter for our journey through Eddie Gilbert. Now, was this in a period when the pile driver was still banned? Oh yeah, and... that's always banned. I mean, 
it's banned in the sense that like it was always like a oh do that behind the ref's back thing right it was a disqualification to do a pile driver yeah in, in this territory they did so many pile drivers in this section there were a lot of pile drivers happening yeah. here and that's what happens when you when you protect a move though yeah that's that's very true they did a great job protecting it and then all of a sudden in this like, we're doing a pile driver and the guy stays down and the guy stays down and the guy stays you know and one thing i don't think that we said in talking about this is this is not as we like to use the term this is not a plunder brawl no. this is just straight knuckles uh-huh. flying and it loses nothing for that particular detail yeah so we're gonna we're gonna bounce ahead a couple years too. I think this is JCP owned UWF based on the timeline. So this is um, Eddie Gilbert defending the UWF TV title against Sting. So okay. we start this off, and Terry Taylor jumps Sting immediately, and he gets wheeled out. Um, so Shane Douglas uh, jumps him, but also like Sting blades in this. Yeah, he does. He blades like yeah. I like this. Which- I like Missy Hyatt being like, oh, he just tripped. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terry Taylor, like, hit him from behind with a chair. Yeah. And Missy Hyatt was just, oh, I know. He was just, like, you know, carrying the chair. And it's like, no. <laughs> she sounded, she was so dumb on the commentary. But, I mean. She's supposed, but was, she's playing it up, though. Yeah, I mean, and in, in real life, that was, Eddie Gilbert was her her husband. Yeah. For time. Uh, and let's add some backstory again. I don't know a lot of the history, but I do know that there was a brief point in time when Eddie Gilbert was running a stable, um, and Sting was actually part of the stable. This yeah, is like this before. is post breakup. Yeah, this this is like he was part of the stable actually back when he was doing uh, the tag team with uh, Warrior. He was like Blade mm-hmm. Runner. I don't remember which. I think he was Rock. Yeah, I don't know. He's one of the, he, the tag team name is Blade Runners. I'm not sure what. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like Warrior, I think was like Dingo Warrior or something like that. No, but that, that it was, was after class. that. Yeah. Oh, that was after. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't uh, remember what both their names were. Because but... I think it was Slash and Rock or something like yeah. that. Yeah. They're but, incredibly uh, generic sounding names. Yeah. I mean, it was this the is, 80s. I guess. Yeah. I guess it was like after their breakup, uh, because Sting it actually had like an actual like name and it was being pushed. Right. Yeah. Well, remember we watched we watched that match he had with um, Bill Watts that was probably about yeah. six months or a year earlier. Yeah, yeah, we did. So in the course of this, they they come down, they wipe Sting out, uh, they take him to the back, and they get rookie Shane Douglas. And this doesn't go for super long because, yeah, Douglas is getting an opportunity here, but on the other hand, you don't want to you don't want to kill a champion you have out there by giving the new guy too much, but he's still doing a lot with the opportunity he's got on his plate. He's he's out there working hard and doing good stuff and and Gilbert's putting over his stuff too. The uh I think Douglas kicked out of one of Gilbert's big moves and Shane things got a like big that. drop kick on him like right when they went to commercial. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, this is so Eddie starts to take over, and it looks like it's just going to be that typical. Oh, the champion beats a lesser opponent, mm-hmm. but suddenly Sting's out there, and Sting runs him over with a big clothesline. Shane mm-hmm. covers, pins him, and we have a new champion. And Jim Ross has a really great thing on commentary because he's like, "Oh yeah, Sting like Sting just said he wanted him to lose the title." And I really like that because it's like, well, you screwed me over, but hey, I'm I can at least get back out there and cost you the title. Well, and also like uh, they did the, the trope that I love, where a bunch of like the faces, it's like lesser card faces, like lower mm-hmm. card faces. They they came out there and they like put Shane Douglas on the on their shoulders, like it's it's this big win, you know, it probably is like the biggest win of his career up until that point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Brad, I'm with you. Like it, one of the things that I I love about uh, really old school stuff, but just how the booking is when you have the faces actually be smart. Like it, we're, we've unfortunately been sadly conditioned by, by WWE booking or Vince McMahon booking where it's like, no, they have to make, they have to be made to look dumb at all points in time, except for like the one guy that we, I, that I throw my weight behind and he, he can look good. It's like, no, the faces should always be looking good like if they get outsmarted because of a particularly dastardly heel, like mm-hmm. they should, the heel should get like their comeuppance at some point. Right. They should be have they have to they should have to show ass. Like they should have to be like embarrassed or what have you. Uh, and this is like great. It's like yeah yeah Eddie Gilbert thought he was like trying to be slick by getting one over on Sting, and then Sting is like oh, okay yeah I'm gonna come back out there and I'm gonna cost you the title. And like that's he got some revenge right there. Yep. And it made like logical sense, and it's like it made Eddie Gilbert look like a, not like a chump, but it made him look like okay, like he got what he was due. Like Sting went out there, and Sting was like basically costing the title. Like it's that's great. Like that's it made Sting look like a like a badass because he's got his head all taped up, blood yeah. on his face. He's going out there, and he's still like making sure that Eddie got his. It like, it makes it. it look like Eddie messed around and found out mm-hmm. <laughs> when he didn't think he was going to get it. And then he found out Yeah, and it's cathartic. That's one of the things about wrestling, at least in North America is it's cathartic to see the bad guy screw up and slip on the banana peel and get beat. And it, that's part of why, at least for me, it was so frustrating for years to watch good guys faces basically be stupid because well you're not going to get anything over on him because he's a good you know you know that's the heel and you're the idiot good guy and i'm like you are robbing me of part of the point of watching of of to seeing a simplified morality play come out wherein good is going to triumph at some point and you're just like, no, no, you're just going to um, just going to lose, just going to look like a fool. It's like, please. Uh, and it's it's just nice. It also accomplished. I think the cl- video clip itself is five minutes long and it accomplishes a lot. It doesn't take very long to do. No. So we're going to we're going to bounce around the same time period. So this is also so this is Dick Murdoch and Eddie Gilbert. And um, they're pretty much doing their top ten losers, which is which is kind of a trope I miss. So this is kind of a thing I've noticed in older promotions where the heel comes out with a list of some sort, and the 
the list is of dubious quality usually. <laughs> so what's going on here? And, and this 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 promo is actually mostly Dick Murdoch, but it's fantastic because he's doing this whole thing because someone ranked him fourth in like their list or something. So he's going on this like petty tirade <laughs> about this. And and but there's little bits of character building. Like he's like, well, we made this list, you know. Eddie was over there drinking his iced tea, and you know I was tossing back a beer yeah and um but he so he he has a list of 10 guys and four of them are marked off now hilariously um the great bolo and bill longston had been retired in the 60s <laughs> um magnum ta they obviously had nothing to do with but they were getting some heat and then it was yeah. like two jobbers yeah and we took them out too and you're like dude come on seriously yeah but that, yeah, you're right. That's funny. In the same way that many, many years later, Chris Jericho did his whole conspiracy victim bit. And there's no credibility to it because he set the stipulation and then he just straight up lost. That's on him. But here he is trying to find a way out of it. Here's Dick Murdoch spouting off like we took him out. And it's like, well, you know, Magnum you didn't take him out unless you're going to say you committed a felony here, which I don't think you're going to do, but just them spouting off on, on taking credit for all that sort of stuff. It's fun. It's amusing. There's a really fantastic Georgia promo with masked superstar when he's like going over the top contenders for whatever belt he was holding at the time. And he's um he's listing off like all these jobbers and lower car guys and like Gordon Sully's just there rolling his eyes. <laughs> and and Master Persona's like, No, come on, he's a quality opponent. <laughs> or to use a more recent meme, who are you to doubt El Dandy? Yes. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a question. Why does why does Murdoch have like a, a wire hanger in this? I don't know what else he's going to use to point at things. <laughs> Anything like a ruler. You literally could take like a ruler and just use that as the, he's a fucking the pointing stick. He's a fucking redneck. Like, what do you want from him? It's it's just odd. It it almost took, it kind of took me out. Where I'm like, what? The, your finger would have been better than just. Yeah. No, I think I think I, I think it adds to him, though, because he's just kind of this dirty redneck that just is a drunk. Like, I don't know. It just. It seems like some disheveled thing he'd do. Hmm. He was really, I it it made me want to watch more Dick Murdoch though, because I thought it was an excellent like promo. It's a good promo, it absolutely is. Um, but you know, being so far after the fact, we do miss some context that, thankfully, you filled us in on. Well, he there, uh, he said it. He he went into why he did the whole list. Right, but I mean with, with like, hey, these guys retired back in the 60s kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's a, I think it's that subtle trolling, though. Yeah, yeah. So then we're going to we're gonna bounce ahead about a year. So now this is what I would say is the cream of the crop from this, this set. So this is, um, we're going back to Memphis. And so um, Lance Russell is talking to Jerry Lawler on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, um... Eddie Gilbert comes out and they, they kind of go over some stuff he's, he's done here. So he beat up Lawler pretty bad. He um, threw a fireball in Randy Hale's face 
And he did a couple other things that Lance Russell talked about. So he's out there and he's talking some smack about how Lawler's afraid of him. And Russell's like, well, you know, do you want to know where, like, I was calling Lawler from? He's like, where? It's probably far away from He's like, no, he's in the back. And Lawler comes out, and then Bedlam just breaks out. Yeah. It, this was actually great uh, as an angle. Like, because, yeah, he, like, all the dastardly things that Eddie had done, apparently. Like, they listed him off. And then, yeah, Lance is just like jaw jacking back with eddie gilbert and it's of course like in in context it's like he knows what's going to happen but it's great it's like and and eddie gilbert and his hillbilly draw himself is like yeah he called you from home and it's like no he's calling me from the back <laughs> it's like, and all of a sudden lala comes out with like all black yeah and it's like uh it's on now yep and they just start brawling and they start messing up the set yeah. They do start messing up this. When I was watching this, I paused it and I thought to myself, why would Jerry Lawler call him from the lobby? And then I went, oh, right. It's very clearly a setup that Lance Russell's in on because Lance Russell has no patience for Eddie Gilbert at <laughs> all. And here's Gilbert doing all this and Russell – I could see Lawler pitching it to Russell and Russell being like, yeah, let's do that. And I'm sick of listening to him. Come on, let's do this, Jerry. And, um, yeah, they, they not, they pretty much knock the, the, like the backdrop. Yeah. It's kind of like a folding, like screen when they like yeah. hit it and then, you know, toss them over the desk. I like that. They're kind of even just rolling around on the ground. Like it looks more realistic than I think a fight would look like today. Yeah. And then they head out into the parking lot. And now there's there's some subtle details I really like and I want to go over here. Is one, the news van is in the parking lot while they're fighting, mm-hmm. which That's is hilarious because you see the TV logo on it. And then um, I also like – I just like to think that that was, well, Dave Brown's car that they ruined. But just some <laughs> random schlubs like car they got on top of. So it's a – in my notes, I marked it down as – there's a body slam on the windshield of a poop brown sedan. Yeah, it is a, it is a shitty car. Even by, I think, <laughs> 1988 standards, that was a piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a car that was like at least like 10 years old. Yeah. Right. I, I, just, I just like to think that they were like, hey, hey, Lance, which which one's Bill? Which one's Dave's? Because we're going to we're going to wreck it. <laughs> Hate that car. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good brawl. And like, I, I couldn't imagine if you were watching on this TV, not being like, I need to go watch whatever they're doing on Monday. I'm yeah. looking at it now. And it's like, the thing that I, I do appreciate is that they're, they're obviously working their punches, but they did them in a way. I mean, Lawler was always like a fantastic puncher. Yeah. And Eddie, you know, he's, aped enough of his style that his punches look pretty good too but they look like they're laying them in yeah they and do. i doubt that they really are but they they seem like they really got the whole like let's make it look snug uh thing going on i, I mean, think they have I, enough distance that yeah. the camera distance can cover that yeah. kind of chicanery it's not like when we watch the tupelo concession stand brawl and one of the um one of the title belts had obviously slept with Bill Dundee's daughter. <laughs> uh, you know what I like? You know what yeah. I also like about this 
is that the again one of my favorite uh, tropes or recurring jokes themes is just disappointed Lance Russell. What? It's just like, <laughs> ah, God, this, come on, we're just, let's just take a break here, guys. Let's take a break. Yeah, we'll this be, is. We'll be done with this by the time we come back. This is actually the perfect example of how someone described Memphis wrestling once is that Memphis wrestling is the Muppet show and Lance Russell is Kermit the frog. And he just wants to have a good wrestling show, but those crazy wrestlers keep ruining it. And this is like yeah. the perfect example of, of yeah, that. It, and when he was, it's time and to he's start a little the complicit. Music. It's a little bit complicit. Well, I mean, that's because they kept ruining his show. Yeah, it, I mean, that's still kind of a Kermit thing to do. It's Kermit like, we're trying to have a good show here, and they keep messing with him. So Kermit's just, just a little complete. You know, something could happen, and Kermit could be like, oh, gosh, that's a shame, isn't it? Oh, well, guess we're going to go on with the show then. Yeah, but all I could think about when I was watching this, like, wow, this is like, this is like all those, like, hardcore title matches in WWF and the attitude era and all that like crazy stuff in ECW. Like you can just see it. Like you can see all of this stuff that they influenced mm-hmm. by just being Memphis. It's the influence is super clear. And the thing that I appreciate about this that aggravated me about watching attitude era, hardcore matches is when you were watching one of those hardcore matches, it's like, hey, this is the time when I hit you with this because that's what I'm supposed to do right now. As opposed to and and I here's the thing. I griped about that happening watching it live when yeah. I was in high school. And but now watching this, they are doing a good enough job that. You look at it, and they it looks like they're laying it in and beating the hell out of each other and all that sort of stuff. And they don't have to they, – they use some weapons. Like Lawler picks up one of the, the sandbags they use to hold the uh, curtains in place. Mm-hmm. It just, just drops it on him <laughs> at one point. But the, the – you don't have to be, okay, now we're going to go over here, and I'm going to grab – this trash can lid and I'm just going to hit you with it because it won't hurt and it'll bend as I do it because I'm supposed to grab a weapon right now. It makes it look very much of a, of a fight that happens to take place at a wrestling event. And I just appreciate that so much because it's not, Oh, you know, they're having a hardcore brawl trademark. They're, they're having a fight because these guys have a serious issue between them. You know, I have to say something about Memphis wrestling while we're on it is um, a lot of times people will hype up old stuff and you'll watch it and it just doesn't have like the mystique people like attribute to it or it doesn't <laughs> like translate over the decades. But man, like every time we watch Memphis, like it's like it's like every single time it blows me away, like just how it does live up to the hype. It's actually better than the hype. It, it usually is. It's something that to be said about that, that it, it consistently, there's stuff that's entertaining about it. And there's all these layers to the things. Like you never know where they're going to go at any moment. Mm-hmm. And um, even if you think, you know, like even like even 
even knowing this is going to be a brawl, like the fact that Lance Russell set him up. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that was like unexpected and clever. Yeah. Because Lance Russell doesn't like him either. No, he doesn't like him. He's like, no, this guy's a jerk. Like, I'm going to pull one over on him, too. Yeah. (laughs) There's something very evergreen in the way Memphis does a lot of this stuff because it seems to me that they don't overcomplicate it, if that makes sense. We have these angles taking place of Eddie Gilbert beat up Jerry Lawler real bad, so Lawler wants to get back at him and puts one over on him to get after him. Cool. I think it's That's... because um, it's very they're personal in like a realistic way, and they're they're ways that um, just stay normal. It's like because it sometimes it's like, well, we just don't like each other. Mm-hmm. If you were to go, hopefully this wouldn't happen at your workplace, but. Typically, there's someone at your workplace you don't like very much. And every now and then, you may have had the thought cross your mind of, I would throw down with you just to do it. And so by keeping it simple, uh, not basic, but simple, it stays more identifiable, I think. You know, over over time, it's the the lack of complication means that it's it's easier to retain that relatability if I'm not talking myself in circles. So, uh, you know, and and I think that there are lots of people that lose the forest for the trees on that kind of thing. You know, why why are we doing this? Well, because that's what we're supposed to do here. It's like, oh, God, is that really why we're doing this? But uh, you know, it's straightforward and it's it's not difficult and it's pretty easy to keep a handle of. And then you, they happen to have. I don't know if it's as much they happen to recruit really good workers or they play to their strengths more. I'm not sure which one it is. But I mean, they definitely play to play to Lawler's strengths. But, but anyway, I think that takes us to the last one for this section, I believe, doesn't it, Matt? I believe yeah. this yes. takes us to uh, Eddie Gilbert versus Cactus Jack. Uh, uh, I guess this is from March 1990. Okay, March 1990. It's yeah. <laughs> The video quality on this one is rougher than some of the others that we've watched. Yeah. I didn't particularly like the camera work on this, uh, but I think I mean this is like it's old footage. It's like thirty yeah. plus years old. Like I think they, for the time, it's probably a it, two camera shoot at best. Yeah, at best they did they did the best they could. Now, fun yeah. fun fact: um, the person commentating this is John Arezzi, who you, if you if you're listening to this and you watch Dark Side of it, well, he's he's well known in the fan community. He did like some conventions in the 90s and he might have done some wrestling shows, but he was on the I think he was on the UWF episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And I think he's been on some other Dark Sides of the Ring. Okay. 
I'm trying to remember because the name's not uh, ringing a bell, but um, fair enough. And Tri-State, if you don't know, is also it pretty much the the owner of Tri-State sells it to Todd Gordon, who then it turns it into Eastern Championship Wrestling, which later becomes Extreme Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So. What was the the catalyst on this particular match, Brad? I I, I don't remember the background on it. I don't know. It's it's an indie. Okay, so they're, they're, it's just the two of them having a match then. I think they might have had a previous match. So. Okay. Um, but I will say I did look up the rest of this card, and Matt, do you want do you want a little bit of a shock? Um, the original sure. Sheik was on the show wrestling Abdullah the Butcher. Hmm. That's. I would hope that that was like a violent brawl. I, I think the original Sheik was in his 60s at this point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he doesn't have to be doing like crazy bumps. He can just be going out there and like with a fork or a... His was know. the pencil. Okay, you can just go out there and be like... Oh no, I think he used a fork stabbing too. Stabbing Abby with that. Yeah. That's all Abby did like towards the end of his career. Just like, given random there. fans hep C. Yeah. God. God. So I. Uh, so um, there's there's one thing I did want to discuss. They tried to do a table pile driver spot, and that almost went horribly wrong because they like, they they stepped a little too far to one side, and the table broke with both of them on there, and they kind of fell on their asses. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't great. And I was like, I was like, wow, that they're really lucky because that could have gone horribly, right. horribly that wrong. Could have been really, really bad. Um, just some general notes that uh, of this is one of the things I took from it is, good God, Foley was crazy back then too. Some of the stuff he's doing, it's like, dear Lord, man. The elbow it, drop spot. Just kind of in general the. The, he takes the whip into the uh, into the guardrail and flips oh, over it onto the concrete. Yeah, I was like, like, wow, dude. Dude, seriously? Are you getting paid enough for that? I mean, uh, at least he's doing it for a bigger crowd than that UWF blackjack brawl. Yeah. Well, he didn't do a whole lot at blackjack brawl either, but... The show still, actually has a good crowd, I'll say that. There's, there's a sizable true. crowd for this. I'd say... At least 500. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a pretty good-sized crowd. One of the things that jumped out to me is that they are not set up camera-wise to follow this kind of match. Not at all. No. No. And, and, and the, that makes it kind of hard to watch. Yeah, the announcer kind of tries to cover for that, where it's like, well, if you can't see where they are, just like follow like where all the bunch of peop- the people are congregating. And it's like that does logically make sense. Um, but you can't see crap. No. Yeah. <laughs> Still, can't for some portions it. of this match, like you can't really see what's going on. Cannot see a damn thing for so much of it. Yeah. And um, let's see. Yeah, they did have the 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 flying elbow to the floor, which. Jeez, good God, Mick! What I don't understand what the thought process on that was. They they did something else that was. He took another oh, bump that was. Yeah. Absurd. The sunset flip from the second rope to the floor. Oh yeah, that one. Where where in doing this, 
Foley takes the entirety of the bump on his lower back. And I'm just like, I, you know, every time I see that, I audibly cringe. Because I'm sitting here watching this and I go, Argh! and one of my kids go, are you okay, Daddy? And I'm like, uh, yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Don't. Uh, I'm waiting for my kids to, my oldest, to get a little bit older so I can talk about wrestling with them because I want my, I want my kids to kind of be able to have a full grasp of what I'm talking about with this and so that they don't because uh, my kids wrestle right now and the amount of, of pain and hurt feelings that comes out right now is enough that I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not subjecting you to, new things for you all to try on each other right now we're not ready for that you know it's funny because we i know what mick foley's active years were in eddie gilbert's and it's really weird because you don't think of like mick foley and eddie gilbert wrestling each other when you like think of wrestling and like the bigger like grand scale of all of it but um i thought they had really good chemistry Mm -hmm. together it they did a good job together it this does um, this show does tap dance on one of my my foley criticisms is he just lets himself get beat up too much. Mm-hmm. I, I know his gimmick was that he was the toughest guy and he could take all this and keep coming, but you know if you're gonna be the 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 Falls Count Anywhere legend, then you're supposed to what what what's what's the the logic here that you let the other guy punch himself out on you? Just, you know, get up there and fire back, man. But I was thinking if this was um, if this was the UWF, this would have ended in a double DQ. Oh, and that would have been just a colossal waste. Yeah, Um, I thought this was I would say this was unremarkable, but fun. I think fun's a good way to put it. I um, I don't particularly care for this. But it was offensive. If I could um, have seen all of it, it, I might have said it was good. Yeah. That's fair criticism, yeah. You just can't follow it. You can't see what's going on. <laughs> and that's for what, like half the match, isn't it? About. Yeah. Half the match is spent going, well, I guess I'm going to wait for them to show back up. And, you know, that's that's not that's not what you're tuning in to watch a match for. But all right, here's some so, of the other matches off of that show just because I looked it up. So, Al Perez versus Stan Lane, Ivan okay. Koloff versus Manny Fernandez in a Russian change chain match. Um, Ab- Abby and the Sheik went to a double DQ in five minutes. Um, what? Yeah, I oh. guess it gets him out of there. Oh, Matt, here's some blasts from the past. Um, in a barbed wire match, Johnny Hotbody versus Tony Stetson. Oh, wow, that and is then, a blast from the past. Um, for the heavyweight title, JT Smith versus DC Drake, and the main event in a fan participation lumberjack match for the USWA World oh, Heavyweight Title, um, Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk. That was probably a good match. Yeah. Yeah. I just cringe at the idea of a fan participation lumberjack match. It's like, no, 
no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. For the love of God, please don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Memphis does have my favorite variation of the Lumberjack match, though, which is the Lumberjack strap match where the instead of the Lumberjacks just putting you back in the ring, they all have straps and they just whip the living shit out of you until you scamper back into the ring. <laughs> it's it's a good um, incentive it's, to not go outside. Yeah, and it makes the Lumberjacks have to not attention horror and do their job. Right. So, uh, that's, that's kind of the, uh, this, this episode, right, Brad? Yeah, that's a smattering of some stuff he did. I thought, um, we were very light on matches this week, but the angles were a lot of fun. Um, especially the, the parking lot brawl. Yeah, it, 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 that goes a long way. Good angles. As has been said time and again, good angles that draw people in go a long way towards engagement. You don't have to be a five-star worker to get someone engaged in what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're not, that's okay as long as you've got enough to get the crowd engaged. I I was never a a five-star worker. I don't think I can lay claim to being a four-star worker. But I got people engaged, and that I will always be willing to hang my hat on. So, or maybe I'm just trying to take up and defend for myself in this. Who knows? But you know, you can. They 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 got people into it, and yeah. that's the big thing. All right. So uh, what's what's next show going to be, Brad? Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna continue on the Eddie Gilbert uh, train a little bit. So we're gonna look at the four matches he and Terry Garvin had in GWF that are kind of if you read about it and stuff, it's it's I don't I don't know if I'd call it like the the banner feud of the promotion, but it's one of like the memorable feuds that happened at the time. Okay. All right. So that'll be that'll be next week is uh, Gilbert B. Garvin. So uh, any other thoughts on the way out, guys? Nope, I'm good. Yeah, no. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, If you've got any thoughts, uh, if you want to watch any of this, you'll be able to find it on YouTube. And if you have any feedback you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you uh, on any of our social media platforms and this is shad with matt and brad we've been in three corners you're in the fourth and we will catch you next time